Welcome to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us this weekend. I'm Jason Kong here with attorney Bill Alexander. Bill, we've made it to April. How are you doing today? Oh, oh my goodness, uh, Jason. I'm doing fine, and I hope you are. Um, uh, happy April Fool's Day. <laughs> no pranks on this show. No pranks on this show. Well, it's not intended, but, you know, uh, folks uh, need to uh, be careful out there. Uh, you know, if you hear that the Russians have invaded North Carolina, uh, you might think that it's uh, April Fool's uh, Day. Uh, you know, there uh, obviously there are a lot of pranksters out there. Uh, uh, hopefully folks will not think that we're in the prankster mood. <laughs> yeah, we get in trouble for doing things like that around here. So we're, we'll, we'll play it straight and, and even keel. Uh, yes, we will. Um, now, okay, so um, uh, wh what is in the wind, if you will? Uh, well, the, the worst part of what's in the wind is pollen. I think this has been the first or the worst year uh, for pollen uh, in, in my memory. I mean, I've, I generally don't have allergies and don't have issues. And, and this year, uh, it's hard to go outside and be able to breathe or to be able to see through watering eyes. And, and um, it's just been awful and then i read a report that our pollen season is going to be longer than in the past as well so it's not only more concentrated it's going to last longer than it should so um but uh, you know this uh, this is the first time i can remember uh, needing to actually take uh, allergy pills just to be able to function <laughs> Along with eye drops, <laughs> so uh, I, you know, that uh, I I hate it. Uh, you know, it's just a part uh, of uh, living in North Carolina. We have, uh, you know, the good news is we're we're not in Tornado Alley, and and we um, uh, only don't uh, get the brunt of most uh, hurricanes uh, that hit our coast at times, but. Uh, uh, and uh, flooding is not particularly common in North Carolina like it is so many, many places. So in many ways, uh, we're in one of the safest uh, places uh, in the United States. And uh, from my perspective, we have probably uh, the most pleasant climate. You know, we have four distinct seasons with short winters and and long springs and and uh long uh falls and summers uh which is uh, you know uh, it you know for those of us who like the outdoors and to be outside and to enjoy things uh north carolina is a great place to live no question about it plus we've got mountains we've got the coast we've got everything in between um you know we're we're doing pretty good i'd say um, now, there is one thing uh, that uh, has been um, unfortunately politically um, uh, controversial over the last, uh, seems like, 10 years, and it's about that long. But uh, this past week, 
uh, finally, uh, the legislature passed and the governor signed into law uh, what's called Medicaid expansion. And quite frankly, uh, I am really pleased about that. Uh, you know, Dan, you know, as far as I'm concerned, politics be damned. It, uh, this is uh, helpful to North Carolina in ways that most people don't realize. Uh, because uh, the, the fact of the matter is it's, it's not just about the 600,000 people plus that Medicaid expansion will be a significant benefit to. But what so many people don't realize is that it, it may very well keep a number of hospitals and medical clinics uh, in rural areas of this state open. Uh, there's been a ton of closures. Uh, people here who live here don't realize that uh, over the last 10 years, um, uh, a lot of clinics and hospitals have closed, consolidated, and a big part of it is because of the fact that uh, in rural areas, uh, there's not enough financial support, and a lot of folks can't afford the care that they that they need. So, quite frankly, we should all be applauding the bipartisan effort that finally came around uh, in North Carolina, uh, and the fact that it's been signed into law because it's not only uh, helpful to folks uh, in need, it's also uh, helpful uh, so that uh, there is medical care uh, available to rural areas of North Carolina. And, and of course, that, that is a lot of eastern North Carolina and a lot of western North Carolina. Uh, and it, it's also helpful to um, the institutions uh, in the Piedmont. So, you know, hooray uh, for a change that, um, in my book, should have been passed uh, 10 years ago. Uh, but finally, um, it's, it's here uh, for North Carolina. Now, for most of us, it won't make any difference at all. Uh, and uh, the lion's share of it is paid for by the, the federal government and its money that... Um, we have not been receiving in North Carolina that most, almost every other state uh, has been more than happy to take and use uh, for their citizens uh, for many years. So anyway, um, that's something that at least uh, I am uh, very, very pleased with uh, in terms of s some good changes uh, that uh, have occurred in this state. Um, so anyway, uh, and of course, uh, we're, we're getting closer, as you know, to uh, our, our webinar date. So I just, I do want to remind folks uh, that uh, we sponsor um, uh, webinars each month, uh, second Wednesday of each month. So it's not next Wednesday, it's the week after. Uh, and we have uh, one webinar in the morning uh, on long-term care, uh, specifically Medicaid and the other um, uh, uh, programs that help people pay for care that our health insurance does not pay a nickel for. 
Uh, Medicare doesn't pay for it. Uh, and, and because our healthcare system is based on acute care, you know, you break your arm, you get a cut, you whatever, uh, you have a heart attack, you can go to the hospital and, and receive care. But long-term care is not that. Uh, so what is long-term care? It's when uh, folks, whether they're old or young, because uh, there are young people who end up needing long-term care, but mostly it's a senior issue uh, where you need help with activities of daily living, and that can be dress- dressing or bathing or, or mobility, getting around. Um, it, it can be uh, toileting. It can be lots of things. Uh, but it also can be beyond that, where folks are bedridden or, or worse, uh, and, and uh, you know, frankly, you know, if you need assisted living or memory care or, um, or nursing care, your health insurance doesn't pay for it. So it's okay. Can you afford eight or nine thousand dollars a month in cash every month? And for how long? Not many of us can do that. So it's important for folks to know, what financial assistance is out there, uh, and uh, what programs they cannot get. I mean, that's just as important as not, but um, most folks don't even realize that uh, middle-class families can get Medicaid with some professional help um, without losing everything. In fact, in most cases, they can preserve uh, almost everything and, and still be eligible for Medicaid and protect their property. So that's what that is about. And then in the afternoon, we do a webinar on asset protection. Now, you know, people who go on Medicaid need asset protection too, but this webinar is actually about trust-based planning and uh, and other features of asset protection that a lot of folks don't uh, really appreciate or understand, but as we get older, we, we do want to protect what we've taken a lifetime to, to accumulate, uh, you know, and, and we don't want, we don't want the government to take it in taxes or otherwise, and we don't want creditors to take it away from us. We, we want to be able to use it for ourselves, and we want to be able to leave it to our families in most cases. And that's what asset protection is all about. So that's what our afternoon's webinar is about. And it's it's very easy to sign up and attend. All you have to do is go to WGALaw.com. From there, you'll see the seminars button at the top of the page. Just click that, and it's free to register. It's a wonderful opportunity for you to learn more from Bill. There's no cost associated with this at all, and you can enjoy it from the comfort of your own home. All you need is a device with an internet connection and an email address, and you're good to go. WGALaw.com. Just click on the Seminars button to sign up. The next set of webinars is happening on Wednesday, April 12th. Be sure to sign up before then, or you'll have to wait until May. Go to WGALaw.com or call the office, 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be right back.
Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. I'm Jason Kong. Thank you so much for joining us. Bill, we were just talking about your webinars, which are happening on Wednesday, April 12th, and folks can go to WGALaw.com to register and sign up for that. There's no cost associated with that. It's just a wonderful opportunity for you to learn more about long-term care assistance or asset protection and trust planning and you know that afternoon webinar with your asset protection and trust planning topics it it's very very popular and we're going to spend some time talking about trust because i think most people like the idea of asset protection and trust but maybe everyone doesn't quite understand what's involved well i mean why wouldn't you <laughs> you know you know before we get into that i actually uh, should mention too that, of course, this is Final Four weekend. Uh, and the fact is, is that every team in the that remains in the tournament is an underdog. I mean, that's never happened before. Every, you know, all the top-seeded teams have, have been, have, uh, been uh, beaten. And so now we've got four underdogs playing for the national championship. This is great. I love it. Now, of course, we only have one ACC team uh, left. Uh, and I'm, I, I must admit, I'm an ACC fan, but Miami is the only one left from the ACC. But hey, uh, I don't even know where these other teams are coming from. You know, you got Florida Atlantic. They've, that conference has never had a, a team hardly in the NCAA, let alone the Final Four. Then you have San Diego State. Uh, what's the fourth one? I, you know, UConn. UConn. Now, well, okay, but th- this year is not their best year. So, you know, obviously they're maturing at at the right time, uh, just like Miami is. I mean, it's um, you know last uh, you know last uh, weekend uh, I was listening to the to the Miami game and they were oh man they were uh, first half they just got beat bad. And so, I mean, it was so bad, I turned the radio off. And then when I got home, <laughs> boy, the second half, it turned around, and they came back and, and won the game by a good number of points. I, I was just uh, real proud of that team. So uh, it's going to be fun for folks who love basketball to, to – and for me, I'm, I'm, I am a college basketball fan, so this is going to be – a, a nice weekend for me. <laughs> it's an exciting time of the year. And, you know, this is what March and the tournament are all about. It's it's cool to see some of these smaller teams or less known teams. No question about it. Uh, you know, it, uh, I think uh, because I tend to root for an underdog anyway, that's just my nature. Um, and so this is this is underdog heaven. This <laughs> okay. So let's get back to serious stuff. And you know, lots of folks uh, come see us, and they uh, one of the you know for a lot of folks, it's like, well, we've been reading a little bit about trusts, and we're we're wondering if a trust is appropriate for us. Uh, so should we have a will-based plan? Should we have a trust-based plan? Uh, we're we're not sure, uh, so we, we want you to look at things and tell us what you think is is appropriate. Well, the I, I, the best starting place for folks, I mean, because people know, uh, or at least they think they know, what a will is. 
you know, and of course, uh, hopefully folks go to an attorney so that they know that, that it's drafted properly to do what they want it to do. I mean, that, that's important. Uh, and, um, you know, and I will say North Carolina is quirky in terms of uh, how a will should be uh, created. In other words, the language that our statute requires for uh, the clerk of spirit court to say, we can accept this piece of paper as your, as the decedent's last uh, will and, and testament. Um, it's, uh, I mean, it's just just that way. And then, uh, so you know, people know that you can sign a piece of paper to direct how your property is distributed at your death. Uh, and, of course, a will can contain a trust in it. Um, now, uh, whether having a trust in your will is the best place to actually create a trust is a different question. Um, but uh, oftentimes there are what we call holdback provisions uh, with a trust in it. So if your if your devisees, if the folks who are supposed to receive your property are too young, know they're they're minors uh, or they're disabled special needs type situations or uh, possible I mean wills can be done so that if you have a child who just is not capable of managing money or the things like that uh, you can put in provisions where that you create a fairly simple trust for that person so you know those are, are things that you can do with the last will and testament. Now, the most common will is I leave everything to my wife or husband and then equally to our, our children. Uh, now, and, and that works for a lot of folks, but it clearly does not work for a lot of other folks because families are far more complicated today. Um, it, you know, there's... Um, uh, a very high percentage of um, second marriages and third marriages and children by previous marriages and his, mine, ours, and everything in between. Um, and then um, you, th- there are more issues today uh, with children and grandchildren that have significant issues with drug, alcohol, gambling, uh, spendthrift problems uh, where they never get off your payroll. <laughs> you know, um, it's, um, I, it's just amazing to me um, uh, why planning can be so much more important because families aren't, you know, the Ozzie and Harriet families are rare today. I mean, they do exist. I, uh, you know, it's wonderful. <laughs> but the fact is uh, that oftentimes that's the rare. And the other thing is there's, uh, and this may, it won't surprise many people, but the fact is that there's more wealth in this country uh, today than there was in the past. Now, most of us realize that We've um, 
for most, in fact, this may, we may be the, the baby boomer generation, and I'm one of them, may be um, the last generation where um, the children um, are better off economically than their parents. Um, in other words, um, for a lot of folks, our children, baby boomers' children, um, a- as a whole, are n- not better off than we are as baby boomers. In other words, the greatest amount of wealth in this country is where? Among seniors. <laughs> and everybody, the, you know, the generations below us uh, struggle to maintain the lifestyle that they were accustomed to growing up in our homes. Uh, number one, it, it takes, uh, in most cases, two incomes, working very hard to main that, maintain that type of lifestyle. And if we know anything, that those generations want to maintain the lifestyle that, that they were accustomed to growing up. So, um, uh, you know, there are lots and lots of issues that, that go into that. So, okay, so you know what a will is. So what is this beast called a, called a trust? Well, if, if you, and part of the problem is, is uh, us attorneys. Why? Because we, we, and I think that by necessity, describe a trust as a beast in which you you transfer your property into uh, this trust wagon and then you pull the wagon along um, and which you know for some folks they just don't get it but we describe it as a bucket or a wagon and you put your money and your property into it and that uh, sometimes keeps it safer, and uh, but that's not always true. But our descriptions, uh, and of course, people, uh, a lot of us, and I do the same thing. We think in pictures, <laughs> and so, um, uh, and that's a good thing. But fact, the fact is that a trust is not an entity that's capable of owning property. And you say, really? How does that work? Well, the fact is that a trust, all it is, if you if you boil it down, is a contract. It's an agreement. Now, there's a ton of law that, that supports these contracts, uh, and, and a trust is even called a trust agreement. Okay, and of course, an agreement is a contract. So, it's uh, now uh, there are lots of different ways to have a trust, but the most common trust is a revocable trust, and that's where you actually create an agreement with yourself. And that seems silly, but it works because the law says you can do that. And so a trust is an agreement with three three parties to the agreement. You have the creator of the trust, and different lawyers call that something different. Some people call it a settlor, or a trustor, or a grantor, 
or a trustmaker. Now, there's not a there's not any difference other than what you call it. So you can call it any of those things, and you've got the person who has created the trust. And then that person in the agreement names a trustee, and the trustee is the person who manages all of the property, and importantly, is the person who owns all of the property. But a trustee doesn't own it for themselves. They own it to apply the terms of the contract. So in essence, they own it as a fiduciary. Uh, And so if I have a judgment against a person who happens to be a trustee, the property they're holding uh, in trust is not available to me because it's not that trustee's, technically not their property. So the trustee is the second party holding property for the benefit of a beneficiary. So, And the beneficiary, and there can be multiple beneficiaries in a trust agreement, uh, would be the third parties uh, to the agreement. So you have a person who creates an agreement, names somebody, normally themselves to start out with, to manage the property for the benefit of the third party, which normally is going to be themselves, their spouse, their children, their grandchildren, would be the beneficiary. So it's, in essence, a three-party contract. Now, the contract, the trust agreement, can be really simple, or it can have strings attached, which are very helpful uh, to folks in terms of what they're trying to accomplish. So it, it, it uh, is it, it, a trust agreement gives people far more planning options than a will-based type of plan. And lots and lots of folks like those options. Uh, now, there's some other things I can talk about uh, as it relates to what's a trust and why people... Uh, initially might want to do a trust, and then we can go into some other things about trusts. Excellent. We will get into that. Don't forget, you can attend Bill's free webinars on Wednesday, April 12th. If you want to learn more about asset protection and trusts, this is a great way to do that. Or if you want to learn more about long-term care and financial assistance that may be available to you or a loved one when it comes to paying for long-term care, you can attend Bill's morning webinar as well on Wednesday, April 12th. To attend, you need to go to wgalaw.com and click on the seminars button. It's easy to register. wgalaw.com is the place to go or call 919-256-7000. 919-256-7000. We're taking a quick break, but we'll be back after this. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be right back. listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Go to WGALaw.com to learn more about Bill, schedule an appointment to speak with him, or register for Bill's free webinars happening on Wednesday, April 12th. 
WGALaw.com is the place to go. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, we're talking all about trusts, and you just kind of laid out uh, just the, I guess, synopsis of what a trust is, but there's more to get to. Oh, lots more. I mean, the, the, uh, a lot of folks think that a trust is helpful uh, and they come in thinking, well, I I think I want to trust because they've read that a a trust avoids probate uh, and court administration of your property at death. And if a trust is, is properly created and funded, funded being emphasized here, then yes, that's, that is a huge advantage initially uh, of a trust agreement that it, it does avoid that court process, which can be expensive. Uh, it's not expensive in every case, uh, not in terms of what we think about, but it, it, for a lot of families, it can cost up to $6,000 to have your court-administered uh, estate. Um, now, for most families, it doesn't cost that much, but, you know, for a lot of families, it, it, it can. So uh, that's a, a factor, because who doesn't like to avoid, uh, in essence, court costs? And, you know, because for, for, for most folks, it's, it's like, well, if I can avoid that three or four or $5,000 that we have to pay to the court, that's a good thing. And of course, the other reason that people uh, have heard that trusts are wonderful is because trusts can be administered faster than a court process can be. Uh, So if you have a fairly simple trust, it can be administered fairly quickly. Now, what you have to realize is that a trust does not allow you to avoid an administration at your death, it just makes it easier and faster and less expensive. So uh, now the bad news is, is that uh, trust planning does in fact cost more than a will-based plan. I don't know of anybody that creates a trust for less money than for a will-based type plan. And when you do a trust, you still need a will and you still need all the other documents that you should have as basic estate planning anyway. But the fact is, okay, so it's a little more expensive going in, but it's less expensive going out. So it's it's sort of the old Midas thing, pay me now or pay me later. Uh, pay me a lot more later. So that's <clears throat> sort of the the um, how, it, how it works. But from my perspective, uh, that those things alone should not dictate whether you use a, a trust or not. There are just so many other things that go into uh, a trust. But uh, now, when people are thinking about uh, those uh, things about avoiding the court, uh, the, avoiding the time it takes with a court process, um, more times than not, they're really thinking about a revocable trust. And that's the most common trust that is used in estate planning, a revocable trust. And uh, now, uh, there are lots of advantages to revocable trust planning because 
You can keep it simple. You can add whistles and bells to a trust to your own advantage because a revocable trust is a trust that you create for yourself and your family. And during your lifetime, uh, you use your Social Security number. There's no additional tax return. Uh, Everything, I mean, you can call it loosey-goosey if you want, because the fact is is there's no handcuffs in terms of what you can do with your own property because what you're doing is transferring your property from yourself or you and your spouse to yourself and possibly to you and your spouse as trustees or co-trustees. So you're basically holding your own property. And your trust agreement basically says that during your lifetime, you can do anything you want to with your property. You can put, take, put it in the trust, take it out of the trust. You can sell it. You can reinvest it. You can spend it any way you want. You can change this trust agreement. So as your life changes and circumstances change, uh, or people surprise you, or however it is, or people die on you, that your trust agreement can be changed any way you want to change it with no strings attached at all. So it's sort of like, well, why wouldn't I want to trust if I have all of these, um, if I don't have any restrictions at all on what I do with my, my own property? Because people like to have total control of their property, and you have no less control when you uh, are when you create a trust for yourself that's a revocable trust and so uh, the the fact uh, but the, the the fact is is that one of the nicest things about a trust is to the degree you can add strings or or I won't call them handcuffs but provisions that basically determine uh, how other people need to use your property. And so, yes, you can have a disability plan. So uh, that, to me, is really important for folks because then you're giving us, if if you get to a point where you can't manage your property, you can tell in your trust agreement the next person who is managing your property what your expectations are in terms of spending your money to take care of you. Uh, and that can be really, really important if, if you have enough money to say, don't you ever put me in a nursing home. You know, I want everything provided for me right here. And then my trustee, which is typically going to be one of your children, uh, they have a fiduciary obligation to carry out what you've told them is required in your trust agreement. I like that. I think that is uh, an important advantage that you don't get with a will-based plan. And then the other piece about a trust is that uh, you can put provisions in your trust agreement for your spouse as it relates to how you take care of your spouse at your death, but also protect the children at the same time. And then you can also put asset protection in your trust agreement for your children and grandchildren. So 
depending on what you want, what your goals are, trusts allow you to do that, not only for yourself, but for your children and grandchildren uh, as well. And of course, uh, I would say that uh, many, many, many of my clients want to give their children a leg up on their inheritance by leaving them in control of a trust rather than here's your inheritance outright. Why? Because as parents, we worry about their marriages. You know, uh, you know, there's so many divorces today. We don't want our inheritance going to an ex-spouse. We want our inheritance to benefit our children for their lifetime. And then what's left normally to go to our grandchildren. And with a trust agreement, you can make that happen. Uh, and so, you know, there's, uh, yes, I love trust. <laughs> well, there's just so much customization that you can accomplish with a trust. And uh, it's so important that if this is something that you want to pursue, or maybe if you've done it in the past and you're like, well, you know, I know I signed up for a trust or I, I had one created, you know, 20, 30 years ago, but. I can't remember what I did with it. Well, have have that trust reviewed by an elder law attorney. Make sure that it's performing and it's set up in a way that is going to benefit you the most. Schedule some time to speak with Bill. Go to WGALaw.com. There you can set a, an appointment to speak with Bill. You can find contact information there. You can also find information about Bill's free webinars. If you want to attend either Bill's webinar dedicated to long-term care or the webinar dedicated to asset protection and trust planning, Going to WGALaw.com is the easiest way to do it. Just click on the Seminars button at the top of the page. It's free to register, free to attend, and Bill's next set of webinars is happening on Wednesday, April 12th. Wednesday, April 12th. So be sure to register and attend the webinar of your choosing. It's such a wonderful educational opportunity for you to learn more about some subjects that have a lot of misinformation and misunderstandings associated with them as well. WGALaw.com is the place to go or call 919-256-7000. 919-256-7000. A quick break and back with more on trusts. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander and we'll be right back. Listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. WGALaw.com is where you can go to learn more about Bill and his free webinars. WGALaw.com. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, and Bill, we're, we're talking all about trusts. Yes. Well, and here's the thing and let's say that you have a trust now. Um, you have to understand that, okay, a, a trust, you know, normally you get this uh, book with all your estate planning in it. Uh, and the fact is, is the one issue that is so common is that people think, okay, now we paid this money for this trust and now we have our magic book. 
In, in other words, the book is going to make itself work. And the fact is, is it doesn't work that way. Uh, it's not a magic book. It requires your attention. Think of it, um, think of your trust agreement l- like you would uh, the car of your dreams. Uh, you know, the fact is, is that uh, a vehicle, no matter what it is, whether it's your Maserati or your Corvette or, or uh, your Rolls Royce, whatever it is, it's not going anywhere if you don't put fuel in it, okay? And so the, uh, the first issue with a trust is you have to have a plan where your property is placed into that trust, you know, held by the trustee for to make the, the vehicle run. And without having done that, it's a piece of junk that sits in your, uh, well, I mean, you know, you can admire it, but the fact is it's not going to do you any good. It's not going to take you anywhere unless you've put the fuel in it. And so that's what is, that's the first thing that's required. And you also have to understand that as you put everything in it and you're driving it around, over time it needs maintenance. In other words, you can't drive it for more than 50 or 60,000 miles without changing the tires. Well, in essence, a trust works the same way. Uh, you know, you you basically need to sometimes update it because the laws have changed or your family situation has changed or your goals have changed. So the fact is, is that you should take your trust in for repair occasionally. Now, you, you know, it's <clears throat> so you think about that as your 50,000 mile checkup. <laughs> but the fact is you can't just do a document and think you're done because that's not the way a, a trust really works. Um, and, and while a will may not need a 50,000 mile checkup, maybe a hundred thousand mile checkup, uh, <clears throat> the, a, a will needs to be reviewed occasionally as well, uh, for the same reason. Although typically a will doesn't have the same moving parts, uh, that a trust might might have. So, you know, that's a very important concept for folks to understand uh, with any kind of estate planning that they actually uh, do. Um, now, I, I know that we're getting close to being out of time, uh, but another question is, well, wh- what's a trustee? Uh, you know, uh, in a, uh, what's the difference between owning property individually and owning property as a fiduciary? Well, or as a trustee. Well, the difference is as a trustee, you're a fiduciary to do what is uh, said to be done in the trust agreement. Whether it now, if it's if it's revocable, you basically the uh, can do whatever you want to do. But you still, if particularly if you're not the grantor, you have to comply with what the agreement tells you to do. That's what being a fiduciary is. So, yes, that's different from outright ownership where you can do anything you want to do no matter what. And trustee does have strings attached. And so if you're up control for a person, having those strings can be really important. 
It's key to understanding the differences in how trusts and wills are set up. Schedule some time to speak with Bill. As Bill mentioned, if you haven't put that fuel in your car and it's been a while since you've had that checkup, schedule some time to speak with Bill. He's an elder law attorney and he can give you a wonderful perspective on your legal documents. Go to WGALaw.com or call 919-256-7000. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander and we'll be right back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Don't forget, Bill's webinars are happening on Wednesday, April 12th. Go to WGALaw.com. Click on the Seminars button to register if you want to learn more about trusts and asset protection or if you want to learn more about long-term care, Medicaid, VA benefits. It's a wonderful free opportunity for you. WGALaw.com is the place to go or call 919 256 7,000. 919-256-7,000. We're out of time for today. We hope you will join us again next weekend. This has been Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Have a wonderful day.